Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character. He's not going to lead to success. It's not going to lead to achievement. It's not leading to notoriety. You know what those things do? They point you to the fact that you can't ultimately put your faith and hope and trust in yourself. Instead, they tell you that you need to put your hope in God, who does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Throughout history, people have longed to understand what God's will is for their life. We often struggle with difficult questions and decisions related to our families, careers, our hopes and dreams, and our futures. Sometimes when faced with challenges and hardships in life, our faith can be tested and it becomes hard to understand what God wants us to do. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers many great lessons and encouragement to help us through these difficult times. One great example can be found in the life of Joseph. In this sermon series, we'll be examining the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis to uncover the main theme of God's faithfulness even when life doesn't go our way. Please enjoy the message. Over the last several weeks, we've been in this series about the life of Joseph, and it's not Daddy Joseph, like Jesus' daddies. No, no, it's the Old Testament Joseph going back into the book of Genesis. And we've been studying through the life of Joseph, and, and we've been talking about how it is that we can be faithful when life doesn't go your way. And that was certainly, that's certainly been the case with Joseph. And we can also learn a lot about what it is that God is doing and how it is that God works. At our home, we got a porch out front, and it's a porch that my kids uh, get to play on, and we're fortunate enough, it's just big enough to where there can be a little bit of a swing there, and we'll hook the dog up outside on a leash, and, and so the dog will be roaming around while the kids are playing, and they have a great time out there with their toys, and again, swinging and messing around with each other, but one of the things they love to do is mess around with me, and the way that they do that is they will ring the doorbell while they are out front. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the most stressful sounds that I can hear is a doorbell ringing. Because when a doorbell rings, that means somebody's generally coming to the house and they want something. They, they want uh, so they want to sell me something. They want to offer some assistance in some area of my, of my property or our home. Um, they want to have me sign something. There's just a lot of different things that can happen whenever people come to the house. But typically, it's some sort of an interruption because I've got something I'm doing. I've got something that I, I want to get done, and that doorbell will interrupt it. So the doorbell rings. I go over there, and then the kids run off, and they're giggling. Ha, ha, ha. It's so funny. And then I get upset at them. And then I go back and do whatever it is I'm doing. And sure enough, they ring the doorbell again. So I run back over there. Maybe it's somebody. This time it's obviously, once again, it's not anybody there. It's just the kids doing it. And then they do it again. And they just keep, I mean, it is the thing where they just keep doing it. And so I go over to the door and I run over the door and I pull it open and stop ringing the doorbell. And of course, it's not the kids anymore. It's the neighbor. It's a little 87-year-old sweet neighbor standing there. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to kill these kids. I'm going to kill them. Did, uh, similarly, when we have a tendency to get so caught up in what it is that we are doing and what we want to do and what we want to have happen, we can have this tendency to begin to drift from the Lord. We can have this tendency to even begin to place our, our trust into ourselves, into the things around us, into our own comfort, we can have this tendency to maybe just turn away from the Lord altogether. 
And then, and then there's that doorbell. And then there's that alarm. And then there is that message. And God tries to get a hold of us and get our attention. Because one of the worst things, arguably the worst thing that God could ever do to you and to me is to just let us have our way. Just read the book of Romans. Romans 1, Romans 2. God just, he says, you know what? I just gave them over. I just gave them over to their desires. I gave them over to their wants. And it's terrible. It's horrible. All the, all the behaviors you want to avoid, they're present whenever God allows you to have your desires. And so there are these moments when God rings the doorbell, when God sounds the alarm, when your wife moves out, when your employer says they no longer need your services, when that friend sits down with you and has that really honest conversation, when somehow, someway you're sitting in a church service and you hear a message that is spoken and just something grabs a hold of you in that moment. You hear something, something resonates, something stirs, and you know that where you are is not where you should be. Yes, come as you are, but God never wants you to stay as you came. And so we come into the story of Joseph in Genesis 42. And as we come into this, the shift, there's going to be a shift that takes place. Our focus has been on Joseph and how life hasn't gone his way, but he has stayed faithful in the midst of it. And now the focus shifts to the brothers and the change that needs to take place in the brother's heart. Now, here's what we got to know about the brothers. And we got to understand from a meta narrative perspective of the scripture that at the end of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, these men are scoundrels. These men are selfish. They're egotistical. And then somehow, in the last book of the Bible, in the last few chapters of that book, these men are honored. Their names are literally on the gates of heaven. Imagine that shift to go from being selfish, self-centered, just wanting your desires to be fulfilled, to literally having your name on the gates, on a gate in heaven. It would be like you living for yourself, uh, you know, maybe going to prison, you know, you've certainly committed some crimes, you've definitely hurt some people, and then you go from, from living that kind of a life, as bad as you can possibly imagine, to now all of a sudden you have a religious institution named after you, to, to you leading a revival in which thousands of people come to faith in Christ. How does that kind of change happen? Well... It's that proverbial doorbell that rings in your life. It's that alarm that God sounds. And he says, I love you too much to let you keep going down this path. And maybe even more significantly than that, God's looking at this family and he says, I'm sending my, I'm sending my son, my one and only son, the son in whom I love through you to save the world. I love my plan too much. And the glory that I'm gonna get from it so much that I'm gonna grab a hold of your heart and I'm gonna change your life. And that's what we see here in Genesis 42 is the change of heart that's gonna take place in these brothers' lives and how it is that God gets their attention and how it is that he gets our attention. And so we pick up in verse one and two. And when Jacob learned there was grain in Egypt, because right now they're in the midst of a crisis, they're in the midst of a famine. He said to his son, why do you, sons, why do you keep looking at each other? These aren't inactive guys, so why are they looking at, at each other? Well, we'll get to that in a second. But they're looking at one another. They're not doing anything about their problem. 
He continued, I've heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Things are getting bad. There is a struggle. There is, again, a crisis. There's a famine. It's something that's completely outside of their control and their influence. And God is going to use that crisis. He's going to use that crisis. There's nothing quite like a crisis that will get your attention. Kind of like the one that we're dealing with right now in the Middle East. You've, you've got this issue between Hamas and, and Israel, and, and there's going to be a war. There basically already is a war. And everybody's watching, and we're wondering who's going to get involved, and you see Hezbollah, and you see Iran, and you're wondering how the United States is going to manage this situation, and other countries are trying to manage this situation, because it could quickly escalate, and you have this crisis, and you're wondering, hopefully you're wondering, what's going to happen with this? Maybe you're wondering, what, how can I process this as a Christian? How can I process this with a biblical worldview? One Psalm 122 the word tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we need to be praying for peace there, that there is spiritual prosperity that takes place. Maybe not financial, maybe not physical, but there's spiritual prosperity that takes place when there's peace in Jerusalem. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. In Genesis 12, this also gives us a bit of a directive as it relates to Israel, that God says to Abraham, whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. It may take a while, but at some point there's going to be a blessing. If you're a blessing to Israel, there's going to be a curse if you are a curse to Israel. And then you look at Romans 11, and God's will is that all of Israel would be saved. This rem, there's a remnant there that are going to be saved. They're going to be saved the same way that you and I are saved. And maybe this crisis is pushing them towards, towards Jesus, Maybe. Because many of them, I mean, I know they're, they're Jew by race, but I've got many Jewish friends. And I even have a friend that just had his daughter go through a bat mitzvah. And that's a significant event for a child in the Jewish faith, Jewish tradition. And I started talking to him about it at the ceremony, and he didn't know anything. I'm like, oh, he's telling me about this story, about these spies. And I said, oh, yeah, the one in Numbers. And, 
and how they went to over into the land, the promised land, and how 10 of them didn't believe, but two of them did believe that they could take the land. And he's like, yeah, that one, that story. I mean, he didn't know. My point is, it's like many of them don't believe in biblical prophecy. They don't believe in the inspiration of Scripture. They're waiting for a Messiah that's already come. And they just need someone to tell them. And so maybe this crisis is something that can push them that direction. And it's certainly something that we need to be aware of. But we've got to process this with a biblical point of view. But when it comes to just crisis and natural disasters in general, one of the reasons that people will often drift from God, they may not give up on God, but they may drift. And the reason that they may sometimes drift is because they wonder why is it that God would allow, good God would allow a tsunami or an earthquake or a volcanic eruption or some other type of natural disaster and, and in this story teaches us that they can't have purpose, but I would also present to you that there are many of those events that take place in uninhabited areas, in areas uh, the, where people are not affected and where life is not lost. Certainly that kind of thing does happen. You know, but there's many of those things that maybe God does intervene and he doesn't ever allow to have happen. But what again we learn from this story is that this famine, it has a major purpose. And the purpose is ultimately going to be the salvation of these brothers, the purpose is going to be for them to put their hope in the right place. Like Romans 5 tells us, as the Apostle Paul said, we glory in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character. He's not going to lead to success. It's not going to lead to achievement. It's not leading to notoriety. You know what those things do? They point you to the fact that you can't ultimately put your faith and hope and trust in yourself. Instead, they tell you that you need to put your hope in God who does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through, whole, through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so he is heard Jacob has heard that this grain is available in Egypt but these men are inactive they aren't doing anything and so he looks at them he says what are you doing why are you looking at each other we're about to die verse 2 I have heard that there is grain in Egypt go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die why why are they not wanting to go to Egypt Jacob's an old man he's probably one of the last people to get news these guys knew there was food there why aren't, they, why aren't they wanting to do anything about it? Because they've got a guilty little secret. And they know the last time they looked at a road that went down to Egypt, it wasn't a road that it was empty. It was a road that had their brother in shackles and chain and iron around his neck. And that is a place, that is the last place that they want to go. And Egypt is something that stirs their conscience. Some of you maybe understand this. I certainly know we've, we've, where we've gone to places and we've done things and we've gotten in trouble in, in a certain place and we've been down a certain uh, metaphorical path that's gotten us into trouble and that's the last path we want to be down again. That's the last road that we want to go down again. And, and for these brothers, Egypt was that place. And so their conscience is stirred. You, you know God will get your attention through your conscience. He really will. And there's a, there's a big purpose in that. When, about 19 years ago, before I was a Christian, my sister gave me a book called The Purpose Driven Life. It had recently been released. How many of you have read The Purpose Driven Life? You, yeah, it's, it's a great book. If you haven't read it, highly recommend it. 40 Days, You'll Knock It Out. Great book. Life-changing book for me. 
So I wasn't a Christian, but I, it was a New, Year res, New Year's resolution. I, and it's this big, thick book. And I thought, this is great. I'm going to accomplish something. I will read this book as a New Year's resolution. So January 1, I start reading the book. Now you got to, again, remember, I'm not a Christian. And so, you know, you, I just lived as I wanted to live. And I said things I wanted to say, and I did things that I wanted to do. And, and then a couple weeks in, I started to notice something. The book wasn't necessarily saying it, but I started to feel a little bit of guilt, a little bit of shame for the way that I talked, for the way that I approached relationships, for the, some of the things that I would do with my friends. And then as the weeks went on and the book was about to finish, all of a sudden I realized, man, I'm, I'm really not as good of a person as I thought that I was. What I realized is, is that I was a sinner and God was getting my attention through the words that I was reading on those pages. And here's why that is so important. You won't realize that you need a savior until you realize that indeed you are a sinner. And I realized in that moment that God was getting my attention and he was teaching me, you have fallen way short of my glory, but that's okay because I have grace and I have mercy and I have compassion that is available to you in my son. God will get your attention through that conscience of yours. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, we wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 speaks of that. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. So you can draw near to God, grace, and you find purity of heart that is made available to you. And so these brothers have avoided, they have avoided this road to Egypt. They don't even want to go there, even though that's the only place that life is going to be possible for them. So ultimately they relent, they give in. Verse three, then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. Years have passed since Joseph's life has been lost. As time passes, we can have a way of 
of getting a sense of what really happened when we've been told a lie. As years pass, you get a sense of what the truth really is. And I think that's true with Jacob. He's starting to figure it out. Maybe he's already figured it out, at least to some extent, that perhaps there's more to the story of Joseph dying and him not being with the family anymore than what the brothers have told him. At the very least, we know this. He does not trust them. And he is in no way going to entrust Benjamin to them. And so this is a bit of a slight But they finally make it to Egypt. And Joseph was the governor of the land. Verse 6, the people, the person who sold grain to all the people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. It's amazing. They are bowing down to him. Just like that dream that he shared with them. So many years before, as this prideful, arrogant man who didn't quite understand how it was all going to work out, but he just knew it was the truth and he told them, there was no way that that family, that those guys, as bad as they were, were ever going to bow down to Joseph, and yet here they are. God's word has a way of always becoming reality. God's truth has a way of always becoming true in your life. And here it is. And what does Joseph do at the moment? He speaks harshly to them. Where do you come from? From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, he did not recognize them. Then he remembered they did not recognize him. And then he remembered his dream. And why is it that he relents? Why is it that he holds back? Why doesn't he just go after them in this moment? Wouldn't this be the opportunity to get even? Why doesn't he do that? Well, maybe there's some humanistic reasons. Maybe he plots revenge. Maybe he's trying to get control of his emotions. Maybe there's other people around that he doesn't want them to know about his past. It's hard to say exactly. More likely than not, the commentators, as I read about this particular passage of scriptures, they said something supernatural is going on here. That these men have not quite had the heart change take place that they need to have take place. These men indeed are selfish, and they are focused on themselves, and they have hurt people in the past, and that what needs to happen in them has not had taken place yet, and so God is going to now use Joseph to make sure that it does. And so Joseph said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. And so again, he's coming down very harshly on them. I'll read to you one commentator, Robert Candlish. He said this, that if Joseph had been left to himself, he would have revealed himself in a moment, but he was restrained by God, who was using Joseph for the salvation. God was using Joseph for the salvation of his brothers. And so we come back into the text where they are accused of being spies. No, my Lord, they answered, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. Your servants are honest men. So they're pleading their integrity to him. No, he said to them, you've come to see where our land is unprotected. That they've come for food. They've come for life. We see this on our borders. You go down to Mexico and there's many, many people coming into America. Many of them are indeed coming because they are looking for opportunity. They're looking for hope. They're looking for a place where where their children can have a brighter future than the countries they've been in. That is absolutely a real thing. But there are also people that are coming in with unsavory motives as well. People that want to hurt people. People that are indeed trying to disrupt some of the tranquility and some of the peace, little bit of it that we have left here in our country. 
country. That is a real thing. So this isn't unfathomable for Joseph to make these accusations. And so he's running with the storyline. They go on, these honest men, your servants were 12 brothers, the son of one man who lived in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, but one is no more, not realizing that the one they're talking about is standing right in front of him. And why didn't they realize? Well, like the song says, Joseph was a man who looked like an Egyptian. He walked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you go back and listen to the song. But Joseph, that was a very real thing. They did not recognize him. And so Joseph said to them, it is just as I told you, you are spies. And this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh Lee lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. The one that your father wouldn't let you bring. Why does he do that? Well, it's been a long time. I think he wants to see if his brothers have changed a little bit. Obviously, they're bowing down before him. That was something that they wouldn't have done a long time ago. But I think the main reason... Joseph wants to know if they treated Benjamin the way that they treated him. Yeah, you saw how Joseph... Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.